0: Hello and welcome to In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Corinne Lines, And I'm Andrea
1: Gallego. Each week in this podcast, we speak to women who share stories about their career journeys in
0: the world of tech. But this episode is a little bit different. We wanted to share a bit more of our own career journeys and why it's important to amplify the voices of women in tech.
1: So in this conversation, Corinne and I will be diving deeper into our own paths and motivations. So let's get started. let's see, I've always been in tech. I am one of those kids that like their mom would yell because they'd step over a Lego every five seconds. And, you know, when I got a Barbie, I would like take her apart to see if I could put her back together. (laughs) It probably wasn't the most ladylike thing, but I was always, always interested in sort of taking things apart and seeing how they worked. And so throughout school, I always, you know, I had an applied degree. I did econometrics, statistics, math, computer science. And then I started working in banking and I worked for a nonprofit and always, always searching for the data behind the scenes. Like, what is it, you know, what's the data that makes all these stories really authentic? If it was a non-for-profit, you know, what's the data that shows we're making an impact for the foundation in consulting? You know, it's what's the data that's helping our clients get answers. And so I've always, always been
0: very data-driven and that's, that's how I got started. Oh, it's so interesting. I mean I think when I was a kid I wasn't like super I mean I'm coming I think more from the human aspect and like interaction that that's sort of also been my education path but I think when I started really getting sucked down this like technology road was you know after I had had a couple of jobs I was living in New York and um A friend of mine who I had done my master's with in the UK um, wanted to, well, he was working for a French uh, based digital agency. And they were like, why don't you go to New York? And, you know, we have some key clients there. Like, let's open an office. And so he came and like settled upon the meatpacking district for this office. And of course, some of the Cornerstone clients were like big French clients, like Paris based clients. And that Cornerstone client was Chanel. And so that was kind of like what the agency was built around initially. I ended up working there for like six years, learning everything digital in the process. I had some really good mentors. Um, I got to go to Paris a bunch, which was cool to like visit our clients, um, which was fun. But the interesting thing about Chanel was that they were like, there are three key things you have to know about us. It's all about how it looks, it's all about how it looks, and it's all about how it looks. <laughs> and so it was all about aesthetics. And there was no testing, there was no research. And so the most fascinating thing, like transitioning to BCG for me, after that's kind of like what formed my digital perspective, was... um the emphasis on research and the importance of it and the focus that our clients understood the value and were willing to pay for it, which was so different from like my prior world. And then in time, just getting more and more entrenched in sort of the human-centered aspect. And that was kind of like my entry point. I know that's kind of much later than yours, Andrea, but that's kind of like when I think about when I really made this like digital transition, it was like when I started working for that digital agency.
1: That makes a ton of sense. I also imagine that because you're coming from the human side that you probably were experiencing a lot of it as a kid, right? Yeah. I feel like tech is sort of easier to be like, yeah, like I was like taking apart radios and putting them together. (laughs) And I bet you, you were probably like looking around at how people were interacting and stuff as a kid and probably not even realizing that that was like your, that was like your niche, right? I feel like it's sort of the same like I when I was a kid, right? So I'm our chief technology officer in our data science practice and uh, managing director. And so I feel like I'm doing the same thing. I feel like I'm always putting things apart and putting them back together in a more optimal or more efficient way. So I'm a big, I feel like maybe a technology change consultant or something like that, right? Where I'm like, okay, what's not working in here? Let me sort of take it apart, understand its bits and pieces and its components, almost like you would any piece of technology, right? And find out like, is this piece not, does this need a better piece? Do I need a more optimal piece here? Yeah, Doing that with our clients. Yeah, doing that at BCG internally for our own technology organization. And it's a lot of fun because you get to see, you're sort of running your own experiments internally. And it's kind of fun because you're like, okay, a lot of them don't work. Yeah. And you have to be like, okay, that didn't work, right? But it's always a lesson in growth and it's always, it's so, so nice to be sort of wielding technology for good and seeing how it's, you know, what it's doing for other clients, what it's doing for our own company. It's a ride. And what, I know we've met at BCG, so I know a little bit more about your role,
0: but how do you feel that links into what you're doing today? So my role at BCG, I'm a product lead. It's really varied in in consulting in general. It's like from day to day, like, what are you working on? Who are you staffed on? What client are you helping to support? And that kind of drives a lot of what your day to day is like. And that can be anything from sort of getting deployed on sort of an agile focused case where we have these roles that are kind of like, you're an agile catalyst and you go out to a client and you try to help them. I think you, you act a little bit as an agile therapist because it's like you go in and you say, okay, how did you write your story and why did you write it like that? Okay, let's think about that a little bit. Let's talk. And you just ask ask all these questions. It's really interesting. And so there is like a large part of it that's a little bit education focused, I would say. And that's because sometimes some of our clients are kind of like a little earlier on the technology adoption like scale. They're not necessarily that advanced yet. They maybe don't have like a product mindset. And so it's sort of like educating them around what that really means and sort of what products they're going to want to build to innovate and to bring themselves like further down that chain, that continuum of like being more technologically advanced.
1: Yeah. And it's, I'm reflecting on, yeah, I know we are chatting about how we met and like our conversation. And I'm realizing that a lot of that was maybe for our audience's sake, like why we started this podcast to begin with. Cause we're like, well, hold on a second. Like you're in, you know, human centered design, I'm in tech, there's people in the arts, but we're all in this digital world. And if we all speak to one another a little more ideas can sort of, Come out and germinate. And there's so much around what we could do. And then, especially as women, right? I know that we just lost Miss Albright. And I forgot that she was the one that had that very famous quote, which is there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Oh, was that her? Oh, I didn't realize that was her. That was her. Oh. That's what this is all about. Right. Like women helping women, women talking to each other, like especially in these very interesting spaces that have been so, I guess, siloed during our education that should now come come together. I've I've spoken to so many women since you and I met who are like, wait, but I'm an artist and I do abstract painting. And I'm like, okay, well, then you should speak to this person that runs this institute that's combining that with brain science.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you find there's less and less distant. We used to think of it so siloed, didn't we? But it's all about that integration and sort of like how those worlds speak to each other. And that's where the really interesting things come about too. The things that really like keep you up at night going, like you can't stop thinking about it because it's almost so innovative to think of those worlds coming together. And that's kind of the beauty right now, I think.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. You think about all these, we're trying to mimic ourselves, right? Especially in machine learning and data science, we're basically trying to recreate the brain, but we're doing it in silos and our brain doesn't work that way. Like our brain sees the world and is inside trying to make sense of the world by understanding auditory and visual and taste and smell. And and then we go and we split it out, I think, to try to make it simple but in doing that, I think we lose all of what makes our sort of being happen, right? and our and our consciousness and and sort of what drives us. And so I'm excited to see other teams doing something similar to what we're doing, which is like how do we actually bring all these disciplines back together to actually look at the future of tech? And the metaverse is probably one of those that's mo- most sort of
0: looking at that, like you were saying. Okay, so there's there's the statistic that women still only make up a third of industry in tech. Why do you think that is? It's a great question. I don't know if any of us
1: honestly know what's going on. I think, first of all, the numbers were bad before COVID. And then we saw this exodus of women because they're so disproportionately needed at home. Now we have lots of displacement going on globally for many reasons, Right there's something around being able to reskill and upskill our women that we just still haven't figured out. Right. And I think it starts there. It's like, first, how do we like, we don't really empower our women enough to feel they can do something new. And I'm telling, I feel like I have a very like visceral feeling to like, we start that as children. We're so risk averse, right? Like, oh, we can't try something new and fail at it or and i feel like that's sort of pervasive in our careers and like being able to be interested in just jumping into something new knowing that if we have a core skill set it is possibly transferable right like if you wanted to start coding and you really cared about it you'd probably be fine you know, you have a great foundation, you have a great education, you understand human-centered design, you'd probably be fine. But there's a lot of women who feel like, no, that's not my core space. I don't have an undergraduate degree in that. I don't have a master's degree in that. And I mean, some men feel that way too, right? And I think as these industries are evolving so much faster than we planned, it's causing this displacement. And then in addition, this ability to like, well, I have a kid now. Can I do this from home? Can I do this part time? There isn't enough of like proactivity from organizational leaders and female leaders to say, here are the ways we can work this into your life. Not you need to now work this into ours. There's some really real societal things we have to solve. We can't just be like, oh, we're going to be 50%. (laughs) We have all these wonderful quotas,
0: but nothing truly foundational to change them, you know? Yeah, my thoughts around this were kind of similar. Like I was just, well, I was thinking it's more like foundational that like the representation isn't really there. So then when you look, and because, you know, our populations are so diverse, let's say, you know, you're the certain ethnicity and you look to the field and you don't see yourself there. And then we, we talk about this, right, in politics all the time, but I think it's in every field. So like, if you don't see yourself, you don't see someone who sort of reminds you of you, then you're like, how do I fit in? I don't know if that's true, but I think- that that's a factor, you know, the representation is a factor. And like, it's so silly because it's like that whole chicken and the egg thing. Like we can't solve it until we solve it. And that's so silly, but it's, but it is, it's like, we need to up our numbers so that we can up our numbers and sustain our numbers too. So I just thought about it from that perspective a little bit.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I bet you if we had someone else on, they'd come with it from another angle and it's like, oh my God, there's so many things we need to solve in perspectives. What about personally, have you ever faced any, issues that you, um, that you
0: dealt with? For me, it's been interesting to see that when I really look at it, my allies have been men, like the people who really have lifted me up and said, like, you can do the thing or like, you know, to your point, like, I'll give you the funding or like, I'll put, I'll put you in touch or like, I'll make it possible. Have really been men. Like, and not that the women are like holding me down or pushing me back or whatever, but maybe because the numbers and back to this representation thing, because there are more men, then the chances of it being someone who's supporting you, being an ally or being a man in that realm are maybe greater. So, what about you? Have you, do you want to talk to who've been your supporters? So, first, I had two
1: female professors in college who are my like, oh, I just love these women so much. And then I had a female manager at Lehman Brothers, two, one in my internship, one full time, the president of a foundation that I work with was female. One of my bosses at Booz Allen was female. And then I went to McKinsey and I had a male, a male manager. And then I have male, male sponsors, although I have a female advisor at BCG and she's amazing. And I think it gave me a real perspective into what happens if women support women, Oh, it's magic because there's such a connection, right? They know what you're going through. They know how you feel. They know what you've been through. And maybe it's because of this weird stereotype of women. I'm going to say it of women being catty or women worrying that they're not, you know, one of them is going to beat the other one or whatever this nonsense is, right? There is this like saying, you know, this sort of stereotype. I always felt that they were literally going out of their way to help me fix whatever I needed to fix, to move forward faster. And I would literally be absolutely nowhere had it not been for those women. It made my career. This has been
0: In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Andrea Gallego. And I'm Corinne Lyons. Each episode of this podcast, we're speaking to amazing women making an impact in STEM. We'll hear from people doing fascinating work that's changing the way we live our lives every single day. Thank you so much for listening.